You talking to me? We are back, and we are darker, and we are wickier, and we are Lego-ier. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> All about sequels this week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com. Hopefully your source for all your movie reviews, and this is the convenient podcast form. And yeah, it's nothing but three big sequels this week, and we're going to go from best to worst. And we're going to start out with the sequel to last year's really enjoyable Lego movie. Loved it. And this one focuses just on Batman, so it's the Batman Lego movie. Master Bruce, your greatest fear is... Snakes? No. Clouds? No. It's being a part of a family again. No, now it's snake clouds because you put that idea in my head. Sir, you need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising the young orphan you adopted. I thought I was being sarcastic. Hi, Batman! No way! Come catch your greatest enemy. Superman is my greatest enemy. Superman's not a bad guy! Then I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. I like to fight around. Yeah, raise your hand if you didn't come out of the Lego movie singing Everything is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm singing it in my head right now. Not even making that up. I know. And Okay, that might have got a little teensy bit annoying, but <laughs> man, how fun was that, that movie? Was the, it was the best. And I was worried about this one because it's, it's very uncommon for a studio to release an actually good movie in February. That's very that uncommon. True. So I thought, and you know what? I got to tell you the truth. The trailer didn't didn't wow me. I wasn't super excited, but but it uh, I, I changed my tune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Will Arnett is back as the voice, the gravelly voice of Batman. And it's it's not only a fun adventure, but it's so much fun within itself. Yeah. You know, there's so much opportunity to have a wink and a nod at Batman. Right. And this one does that. Has some fun with all the, going all the way back to the TV series. Yes. You know, with those crazy villains and everything that's, that everybody who, even if you didn't grow up with that, that you just know about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, the Batman movie, starting with Michael Keaton forward, you know, that has grounds for a little fun poking. And it does all that while it just gives it its own fun adventure. This time, Batman. He's a superhero, but we, we kind of go behind the mask, and we find out that he's lonely. Well, you know, I think we realized in the Lego movie with his relationship with Wildstyle, he's a little bit of a commitment phobe. That's right. That's right. He is. Uh, <laughs> in fact, in this one, it's funny because he really hurts the Joker, who's, who's voiced by Zach Galifianakis, nice. which is great. There's some great voice work in here uh, as well. Uh, hurts the Joker because he decides to fight around. And maybe... <laughs> the Joker wants to be his only right. villain. That's right, which is funny. Yeah, we got, we're not sure who is the main villain. And uh, then he accidentally, Batman accidentally adopts an orphan. Robin, uh, voiced yeah. by Michael Sarah, Which is perfect. Absolutely perfect. Just perfect. Oh, so, my God. So then all kinds of crazy shenanigans happen, and he Batman accidentally gives the Joker a way to... Just destroy the whole city. Because because Commissioner Gordon's daughter takes over as commissioner. Yeah. And he's he's not that comfortable working closely with her. Because, again, some commitment issues. Yeah, and so because of that, a door is opened, villainy oh, uh, cracks that door open, and, and, uh, and, and Gotham is in danger. Yeah, and she, the new commissioner is voiced by Rosario Dawson. So... Uh, and Alfred... Who's hot, even when you can't see her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Alfred is Ray Fiennes. Nice. Who's great. I so, mean, the top to bottom. That is yeah. the, it is the most fun cast. It is the most fun cast. And 
they just have a lot of fun with it. Just the, the, the fact that we're dealing with Legos here. There's so much fun <laughs> built into that. Yeah. Because aside from stepping on them, Legos <laughs> are so much fun. So you just, even before you sit down, really, even going back to the first Lego movie, even before you even saw the first frame, there was so so much of there's this built-in sense of fun joy. about it. Yeah. Just joy. A lot of joy about it. And this one continues that. And I think, I'm sure, we'll see more Lego movies because they're just they're, there's a lot of fun and there's also fun for the adults. Yes, you know, absolutely. The kids are going to like it usually. You know, when you have a have a um, animated movie, especially about superheroes, the kids are going to like it. So, what about the parents? And there's plenty here to keep the parents interested. Oh, absolutely. I mean, ju- again, just like the first one, it's just yeah. you know, it's so clever and it's so you know, it's so. This lovely. I mean, it's it's not cynical. I mean, it's just it's it's it just is. It's just fun. Yeah, and plus, it's it's cool to look at. It is. You know the way it's ingenious with the toy Legos, how they work together. And now, when you see it, you know, in in on a on the big screen, them coming together and building things. Yeah. You know, that's just fun. So it was a uh, it was an ingenious idea for a movie franchise, and this one just keeps it rolling in a big way. Two recommendations here for. The Batman Lego movie, a lot of fun. And we move on to the next sequel this week, one that a lot of people, I think we've mentioned this before, have been really excited about, and I was kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around why. John Wick is back for John Wick Chapter 2. Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. Whoever comes, I'll kill them all. The man, the myth, the legend. John Wick. You're not very good at retiring. I'm working on it. Well, I know you weren't particularly excited about this one because you really didn't care for the first one. Well, it's funny. In in the years since then, the last couple of years since John Wick, there's this been this building momentum for Chapter 2. And every time I saw somebody post about it or talk about it, I'd go, I'm sorry, was John Wick really good? And a lot of people mm-hmm. loved it. I did not. And boy, I'm on the outs here. I'm the, you know, the army of one because everybody's so excited about John Wick 2. No, I admit, I did not find a lot to be excited about in John Wick, uh, the, the first movie, except that hotel. Right. So here's the thing. So here's the thing. The uh, John Wick, the original, to me, schmaltzy, overly sentimental, too much Keanu Reeves FaceTime because I'm sure he's a nice man. Cannot act. His hard time. Uh, but everything that happened in that hotel was so awesome. It was very, and very so cool. So basically, what they've done with the second film, same writer, same director, they um, they improved upon this formula. They, they they for me the biggest they 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 hugely reduced the sentimentality. This was a ve- I mean it's still mm-hmm. there a little, but you still got the dog. I'm mm-hmm. fine with the dog, by yeah. the way. But it's 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 it just small bits of him looking longingly at pictures of his dead wife. I mean it doesn't take up so much of the film. Yeah. Most of the film is um the hotel in New York, the Continental, and then John Wick is sucked back in, of course, and he has to go do a job in Rome where they have a mirror hotel with, uh, uh, you know, the same outfits and, and very similar guy behind the desk and <laughs> sommelier and, and, you know, so that's cool. You got two hotels this time. Uh, you also have uh, another organized syndicate of, like, uh, the high end, and then there's also an organized underground of armed people masquerading as New York City's homeless. So basically what I'm saying is 
Four out of five people walking the streets are paid killers. Who's paying them? I don't know. But it's more and do fun. Those, do that, does that hotel chain offer rewards points? <laughs> now that we know that there are more than one. But here's the other thing that I found curious about the first John Wick. And, you know, to be fair, maybe I should go back and watch it again. I was not bl- that blown away by the original fight choreography. Now, I got to tell you, I... I um. I really was happy about the action sequences in Jump Book 2 um, because they are, like the Lego movie, they're fun. Mm -hmm. So, number one, this is a big deal to me. The actual action, John Wick's movements, are authentic to the character. There's no ego in it. There's no, like, eye to eye, this is going on right now. It's very quick and efficient. And here's another thing. He shoots people's knees out a lot. So, (laughs) points there. Yeah. Because, you know, it's because he's down low there coming at him. you got to take care of it. But it was awesome. So, I really like the the way the action sequences are set up. But the framing is fabulous. (laughs) Like, there's always some crazy neon backlit or some, like, gorgeous arch with with stairs that you're just waiting for fall down the stairs fall down the stairs um i, I really think well, see that that's they, an improvement yeah i really think that they that they uh, up their game with the action sequences and they did a nice job of pairing back too much storyline too much of what's going on it's mostly just one action sequence after another and they've limited reeves dialogue that's a big big plus and the other thing they've done is in almost every case Whoever it is he's talking to is a better actor and helps to buoy that particular scene. <laughs> well, this is one of the things that surprised me about the first one because I remember the director had most of his resume as a stuntman before becoming a director. So I guess I was a little let down with the action in the first movie because I thought a stuntman, you know, coming at this for the first time maybe would bring a, a different look, a, sure. a, a different a different approach to some of those scenes. So this time around, you get a little bit more. Maybe just had a little bit more experience and, and found ways to do what he wanted more to do. More confidence. Yeah, maybe. yeah, and yeah. The other thing, though, is that I, I just feel like they let go of trying to do anything other than just be a fun action movie. And and there's a bit more humor, although it's not like Expendables humor. You know, it's <laughs> it's more badass, wicked. Uh-huh. I mean, it's... I just I, I just thought the whole film was a, a marked improvement over the All first. right, well, that's good. So John Wick Chapter 2, earning some of that excitement, and I'll just have to uh, keep quiet about uh, <laughs> about the first one. They're getting a, moving in, a, in the right direction and definitely leaving room for Chapter 3, right? Yes. Oh, yes. And 4, 5, 6, 7, yeah. Okay, well, that's good news for John Wick, and not so good news for fans of the latest installment of the Fifty Shades franchise, and it's Fifty Shades Darker. This time, no rules, no punishments, and no more secrets. Do you think you're the first woman who's tried to save him? Now, the first thing to notice about the second Fifty Shades film, it's got a new director, a guy with a decent resume. James James Foley. Foley. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Well... This is not David Mamet. No. Uh, the script here. It is worth noting that the script this time was written by E.L. James, the the, the woman Author. who wrote the, the, the books, by her husband, uh, wrote the script here. So you've got to think that w- why she didn't just write it, I don't know, but someone else needs to write it is what we're saying. This is bad. The first one was bad enough, and this this is even worse. It's just ridiculous. The dialogue is awful, and let's just start right at the top w- w- <laughs> with the two leads. I remember seeing the first one and not liking it, and of a lot of things I thought about, the two leads, Dakota Johnson, you see there's something there. She's yeah, got she some talent. talent there. 
the guy, Jamie Dornan, I don't know where he came from, but he has nothing to offer that I have seen, at least in these movies. Oh, my nothing God, Nothing but a piece of cardboard. Oh, yeah. And, okay, he's good looking. He's a handsome guy, but I'm sure you could find someone else who's equally handsome you know, who's better. I, I don't know how it would be possible for these films to be any good because the source material, the writing is so atrocious. But an erotic film where the two leads have zero chemistry they have whatever is the opposite of chemistry that's what these two have it makes it really hard to like get all erotic doesn't it well that's the other thing from the first movie and this one certainly continues the trend i remember hearing about the books didn't read the books hearing about the books and oh how scandalous and what's going on there there was nothing hot or sexual well not sexual or sensual or you know, whatever the word is about the first one. Yes, there was nudity on her part, but other than other than that, well, it's it wasn't hot or steamy no. or whatever the word might be. And this one just continues the trend. There's nothing. It's just so ho hum. Well, and not only that, you know, it's it's interesting because the film it opens like it's going to be like a thriller, like a crime, scary thriller, and then it ends like it's the same. And then there's 90 minutes in between that have nothing to do with the story. Yeah. The hell? At first, they're, they're uh, Christian Grey, of course, and Anastasia Steele uh, are not. Those th- are not fake names. <laughs> Those aren't just romance Soap novel names. names. Yeah. Um, they're not together, and then they're back together. And then, of course, we have to learn more about his torturous past. And right. In this one, we meet his first mentor, his first seductress, Kim Basinger who shows up and is wasted along with Marsha Gay, Gay Harden. Harden. What are you doing? <laughs> who comes back. Marsha Gay Harden? As Christian Grey's mom. And yeah, you do know you have an Oscar, correct? Oh, my God. Uh, you know what, though? You know what? Had and Kim she, Basinger has one, too. Right. I forgot about that. Had, had Marsha Gay Harden played the lead, I might have watched this movie. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's There's so much about it to just laugh at. Honestly, let's be honest. I yeah. mean, you, you don't want to. You hate to come into a movie and and sit down and right away start looking for ways to mock it. But I'm going to be honest. After the first one, your hopes cannot be high. No, you, they just can't. You hope for an improvement, like John Wick. Right now, now of course, the first John Wick was not as bad as uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. No, but, and also they don't already have existing terrible source material that they're stuck with. Right, right. So, but I mean, are you aware of this? So I don't know how many people are aware of this. The novels themselves came from. The writer used to write Twilight fan fiction. And that Twilight fan fiction was so wildly popular that a publisher asked her to go ahead and just change the names and turn it into a novel. And that's what she did. So this is so if you think the Twilight series is bad, and, and is. we do, <laughs> what if somebody who doesn't have any particular talent just started making it naughty for the fans? <laughs> naughty. And then just rewrote that with new people's names. Yeah. I mean, the whole franchise is mind-blowing to me, and not in a good way. Yeah, and if it's going to be this bad, if the writing is going to be this bad, and one of the lead actors is going to be this bad, you know what? At least push the envelope in, in the sexual right. department. Just if That's what you're building yeah. on. That's what the books are supposed to be. Do it. You know, pu- push the envelope. If you Okay, maybe not an NC-17, because that's so hard on your box office. But right. push, make it a hard R. I mean, something to the, well, at least they... You know, at least they did that, and they tried to get really, really naughty. But uh, it's <laughs> ribaldry. Yeah, but everything about it, it just seems so milk toast. You know. Yeah. Uh, you want to be scandalous, but you're not really. 
and the the writing's bad, and uh, the acting is not good. Uh, so the worst news here is we have one more to go, and uh, I guess that was much the same way for um, the Twilight series, although they did break it into four movies. They made it four movies instead of three. I hope this doesn't do that with the last book. That's the trend now, making the last book of a trilogy two movies. Uh, we shall see. I guess the box office is going to determine that, but boy, a no, a no, please stay away unless you're... Well, it's no, a, just stay you know, away. I mean, it's a young year, but this is this is easily the worst film we've seen. Yeah, easily might, might be the clubhouse leader. Yeah. for a worst movie of the year, and that is Fifty Shades Darker. So let's go to uh, some better notes and look at what's opening, what's out on video and streaming this week, and some good ones. First of all, Loving, which unfortunately didn't get a best film uh, nomination at the Academy Awards. I think it should have. Yeah. But uh, Ruth Nega, the lead actress, did a much-deserved so Best amazing. Actress nomination. And it's the story of, it's a true story about a couple's, the Lovings, that's their last right. name, uh, fight to, well, led the fight for decriminalization of interracial marriage. In, in the United States. In the United yes. States. And uh, it started within their state of Virginia. So um, it's an incredible, another incredible true story. And it comes at it with incredible restraint because that, is how apparently how the couple lived their lives. Right. It seemed very, very fitting and uh, never ever over dramatized and really relies on on very nuanced performances from Nega as well as Joel Edgerton, who plays her husband. Yeah, and I think a lot of people may don't be put off by how slow the movie is. It is. It is very it has a very deliberate pace, but again, the more the, the movie goes on, you get the impression, you feel that that's because this is in line with these real people. Not only and that, it works. not only that, I think that that showing how profoundly normal this family is makes a, a really nice statement about how is it possible that these laws could have existed. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, but also, it's one of our favorite directors, Jeff Nichols, and oh, you should really yeah. see everything he does. You really should. Uh, so, Loving is out this week. Also, a great documentary that might have slipped through a lot of cracks called The Eagle Huntress, or just Eagle Huntress. Yeah, and it's about Mongolia's first ever female. Eagle Hunter, and it's a lovely coming of age. It's gorgeous, as you might expect. It's really fun and very upbeat and, um, you know, just about resilience and sort of the power of childhood. It's a great movie. I really like good documentaries anyway, but especially movies like this that take you in and teach you about a world that you just have yeah. no idea existed. And it's fascinating. And it's just fun to just open up that world to you. And uh, in a similar vein, another very well received documentaries out this week. It's called Camera Person, and it's an interesting. It's it's the way it's assembled is very interesting. It takes a, a long time. Camera Person, who just assembles a documentary with bits of footage that she has filmed on all of her assignments around the world. That footage that wasn't used in the documentaries that she was shooting it for, but just give you a glimpse in to not only her work but some of the subjects that were were highlighted by these documentaries. And in a way, it's it's a it's a strange kind of almost memoir because yeah, this yeah. is this is her career, this is her life and there are bits of of her family as well that have just sort of woven into it. It's really incredibly well put together and a just a fascinating look at at this kind of a life and 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 also at what has happened in the world in the last exactly. you know, 15 20 years. Yeah, it's almost like you say a memoir, also a bit of a video diary right. about not only her life but yeah, what was going on in the world. So very interesting camera person. So three to recommend out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD and streaming this week. Next week, who one that's we do not have high expectations for. Hopefully, 
We're going to be proved wrong, but from right. the trailers, the Great Wall with Matt Damon. Yikes, I don't know. It so looks bad. It does, but uh, we shall see. Also, one we are excited about called The Cure for Wellness, mm -hmm. which looks a little creepy. It does. Yeah, looking, I'm hopeful. Looking forward to that. And Ice Cube and Charlie Day are teachers that get into a fist fight, or that at least they schedule one. So that's coming out <laughs> next week, too. So uh, we'll see about those. So let us know what you think. Are you a fan of Fifty Shades? Maybe you think I'm crazy for not liking the first John Wick. Hey. I've heard that before, but uh, hit us up. Easiest way is on Twitter, and we're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, also Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook, and the main website, which is madwolf.com. Any way to get a hold of us, we love to uh, love to hear from you. So until next week, the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com, and I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner.